Shut up and sit down. Okay, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. We are now going to tackle the Western Conference playoffs, and to do so, we have SB Nation's best writer. I'm, I'm just saying that because we just had Paul Flannery on, and he took exception to be one, being one of the top two. So now I can say, undoubtedly, one of the other top two best NBA writers at SB Nation, Tom Ziller, joining us. It's very uh, exciting for Mike and I. I think it's your first time on the Limited Upside Podcast, so we appreciate you coming on to break down the Western Conference playoffs, and I just uh, want to say that it's, uh, it's always nice to have someone on the West Coast joining us to get a fresh opinion on basketball. Mike and I are so East Coast-centric, so thanks for coming on, Tom. Yeah, absolutely, and I will not take exception to any compliments you offer me. <laughs> <laughs> you root, you root for a fun. really good team, and you have made a great selection in the team you root for. As have you, Mike. <laughs> As have I. If we're going to be totally honest, to have the Wizards, Sixers, and Kings all on one podcast, uh, we could fill yeah, up some tears if we want. <laughs> this is awful. Well, the good news is we know a lot more D-League players than most players would, so, or most people would, so that's nice. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, good, good. So let's dive right into it, guys. The thing that comes to mind for me is, where do the Warriors go emotionally? If we're going to talk about the West, we're going to start with the Warriors. They won the championship last year. They won the Western Conference last year. Where do you go emotionally when you go from winning your 73rd game, breaking one of the most uh, unbeatable records in all of sports, and doing so uh, in grand fashion on your home court? How do you then get back up mentally to play a team who, let's be honest, you played last year in the Western Conference Finals in the Rockets. So where do you see the Warriors' heads at? Where do you see them physically at after putting everything out there, not resting anybody? And Tom, do you see this being a nice quick series? Or is this the type of thing where the Rockets could be a little bit more pesky uh, than maybe a lot of people think? No, the, the Rockets are, are objectively bad. And, um, <laughs> this should not be a long series by any stretch of the imagination. The Rockets that you know, went 41 and 41 this year um, only resemble the, the Rockets into the West Conference Finals last year. Even though they, they haven't had major personnel changes, um, they've just had a completely different attitude, especially on defense, as has been well documented all season. Um, it's just not the same team. And um, I, I can't see Houston even feeling one. I mean, at their best last year, they didn't really make it a series in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and now they're, they're far below that level in terms of consistency and defense and all that stuff. So I, I don't think there's any chance that they make a competitive series. I don't think they'll they'll win a game. I'm not really concerned about the Warriors dropping off emotionally because they've never shown themselves to be fragile during this run. They've been um they've gotten up for every challenge. They know how to motivate themselves um with the the most slightest, most ridiculous uh, provocation they can get up for, for games. I'm sure the fact that that Kobe overshadowed them uh, on the final day of the regular season um, to some extent will <laughs> motivate them as well. Um, you know, I think that'll motivate Steph in, in a way um, because um, everyone was heaping adoration on Kobe. Um, meanwhile, a team was winning 70, the 73rd game of the season. I don't worry shots. about them. If Steph took 50 shots in a game, he would score 100 points. 
<laughs> more uh, than usually, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than that. <laughs> uh, speaking of slights, uh, did you see? I don't know if you guys saw that Steve Kerr was lightly complaining about how they're in the Saturday afternoon primetime slot instead of the Sunday afternoon primetime slot. I didn't see this. I mean, that's just that's first world world problems. Um, there are fourteen <laughs> teams that would love to be in that slot. Um, and I understand to a certain extent because Sunday's the sort of big um, marquee, um, especially, you know, when playoffs open, but it's just so minor. I, I, he wants an extra day of rest for his guys. He probably thought he was getting it coming into these final weeks. Um, and it's, it's not going to happen. He actually, yeah, they, they have an earlier game on, on Saturday, I guess, not the, the late night game. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm not crying for, for Steve Curran. It, it's classic Warriors like you talked about, inventing a slight to motivate them. And in a weird way, I think they need motivation because the Rockets are just such a non-threat. Meanwhile, the team that could have faced the Warriors, the Jazz, played the Warriors kind of tough this year. And they offer some challenges. So on, in a sense, Golden State got a really nice break in that first round. But in another sense, they now have to – you know, one of the only time they have at least looked human is when they've played a bad, average to bad team, as you so expertly noted in your thirteen rules to beat the Warriors. So, <laughs> I, it almost feels like they're getting, they're inventing a reason to get up for playing what, frankly, is a garbage Rockets team this year. I'm sorry, they're just they're they're we're wasting time talking about them. Well, I, there's one other one thing I want to ask though, because Paul, you just put out a, a piece to. Uh, Paul, Tom, you just put out a piece today, the, uh, the rankings, the top 241 players in the playoffs, and you have in the superstars under fire component, James Harden. Can you tell me why he's under fire here? Well, uh, he had a, a disaster of a season in terms of his reputation. and sure. Every good thing he did last year to build his reputation as someone who actually cares about defense <laughs> and winning and not looking like a one-sided gunner, um, everything he built – up last season, he raced this year. He might not make the All-NBA team after narrowly coming in second place for MVP, um, which is crazy, considering yeah. he's still entering his prime. Um, and he's, you know, the alpha and omega of that team on offense and put up huge numbers still. But right. um, So I think he's going to... I don't think he can, but I think he was sort of a, a need for him to, to show out in the first round, whether that's scoring a ridiculous amount of points, whether that's, you know, not showing up in, on the hilarious you know, defense lines. Um, even last night, um, even Wednesday against the Kings, the Kings B team, which is like most teams B team. Uh, <laughs> he, he was, he was, he had a couple of plays where he was just like, what, what are you doing? Why are you, why aren't you even trying? Um, so, I don't think he can actually accomplish any sort of reputation recovery against the Warriors. That's a bad draw for him, but yeah, um, yeah, I think there's the imperative that it should do so. But all that defense, man, that that's so hard. That takes so much yeah. effort. That then takes away from energy you can use for for offense. No, I'm just kidding. We are, I, I, we are talking <laughs> way too much about the Rockets. I, I, I'm putting a stop to it. Uh, okay, okay. I'll right, it. I'll Warriors, the right uh, Warriors last year. I mean, they got through everybody, but there were some hiccups along the way. My sense is that this year is going to be much smoother, but is there any reason to believe that anyone they play 
will give them any more trouble than any of the teams they played last year. I mean, you know, they swept the Pelicans last year, and that was not an easy sweep. They were down 2-1 to Memphis. The Houston series was at least competitive, and then obviously Cleveland was very competitive. I don't think we're going to see a – I'm not sure we're going to see a series as com- as competitive as any of those were. I mean, am I am I getting ahead of myself? I, I, I see the opposite. Uh, with the exception of the first round, as you mentioned, that was a bit of a difficult sweep. It was still a sweep. So at yep. no point were the Warriors ever in danger of falling behind in that series or losing it. Um, so it was still a sweep. Um, the second round, you know, they're going to get the Clippers – were the last team to beat the Warriors in the playoffs. Um, did that two years ago. Um, or they're going to get the Blazers, who, I mean, Dame put up 50 on them uh, earlier season. And while the Warriors have otherwise played them well, um, I think just having a, a backcourt that sort of mirrors Golden State's backcourt to a, a slightly lesser degree could, could you know, cause some problems. I think more so than, than like the Houston series last year. Um, and then, you know, we have either the Spurs or the Thunder, we'll talk about. And then in the finals, um, chances are you're not going to get the Cavs. If you do get the Cavs, you're not going to get them without Kevin Love and with Kyrie Irving only in there for one game. Um, so I, I think it's a harder slog throughout once you get past the first round, which should be a cakewalk. I, I tend to agree with you, uh, you know, on that time. I think it's interesting after this first round, in the same exact way that you kind of just broke it down, there, there are a lot of legacy matchups here. There's nothing new between the Clippers and the Warriors, and the Clips have played them tight a few different times. And then obviously there's so much at stake for a team like the Clippers with their core potentially changing, for, there's so much at stake for a team like Oklahoma City. And then ultimately for Popovich and the Spurs, they don't have that many years left at trying to repeat 65-plus wins and being right there in the top echelon. So... Although the Warriors' timetable is relatively young, I mean, one of the most amazing parts about this team is the success that they've continued to climb and reach, um, given the fact that their core is all in their mid-20s. But the rest of these teams, Oklahoma City could be broken up, the Clippers could be broken up, Spurs are getting older. Um, there's just different you know, chips on the table. There's, there's just different hands being played here. So I think, I think you're right when you say there's, it's going to be a little bit tighter than next season. Um, and that's not with Cleveland withstanding in that conversation, just in the West alone. So I want to get into that Spurs Grizzlies series because the Grizzlies made the made the playoffs with a roster of guys who vaguely resemble uh, the Sixers and in that case a D-League team. So there, there's not a whole lot going on there where you can touch back to the way they've played in the past. Obviously they still have Zebo, but there's no Connolly, there's no Gasol. I don't obviously I think most of us or all three of us would say this is probably going to be a sweep if not kind of that five game series. So let's extrapolate a little down the line then and say if the Spurs and Oklahoma City play, because this is really what I'm most interested in, I think this is the best matchup that's not involving Golden State in these playoffs. What, what should I look for in a Spurs-Oklahoma City matchup, assuming Spurs get past the Grizzlies and Oklahoma City makes uh, short work of the Mavs? Yeah, so I, I'm also deeply excited about that uh, likely series in the second round. Uh, you know, Durant versus Kawhi is always going to be the, the headline marquee matchup there. And Kawhi's, you know, um, put the locks on on uh, Durant in the past. Um, Durant's also gotten his points against the Spurs as, as against every team in other cases. So I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. But, you know, the guard matchup, Tony Parker has quietly not been great this season, despite the Spurs' excellent overall record. Um 
and performance. And so uh, Westbrook, you know, is a legit MVP candidate um, and is much better at this point um, than, than Parker. Um, the, the, the Spurs team defense is, is phenomenal and will take away the types of shots and drives that Westbrook wants. But And, of course, they do have Danny Green to, to mark him back there as well. But uh, I just think that, that that matchup, see how well, how efficient, how productive Westbrook is on a nightly basis um, and how much of that the Spurs can take away is, is really going to tell the story here. So in the past, uh, Oklahoma City has played the Spurs tough, as we know. Uh, they've had their athleticism has proven to be too much for this sort of fast paced sort of equal opportunity, you know, great motion that the Spurs have. The the Thunder's athleticism has been able to sort of kind of short circuit that in the past. And you look at the Thunder, and they ha- they still have sort of the roots of that team with Durant, Westbrook, and Ibaka. The, at the same time. The Thunder are not have not really been consistent defensively all year, even more so than under Scott Brooks when they would have ebbs and flows. We know the Thunder are really bad in crunch time, and most importantly, the Spurs are just not playing the same way as they used to. They're playing much more traditional, kind of pounded inside. A little, I, I think they're still kind of moving quickly within their actions, but it's a low overall slower pace. This feels to me like a different sort of Spurs Thunder series, and. I I'm just I can't trust the Thunder, even though they have two great players. I don't trust the coaching. I don't really trust the supporting cast. I don't trust the defensive consistency, and I I just don't see them being able to generate looks in crunch time against a great defense like the Spurs. I think they had more of a structure in the past that could have beaten the Spurs than they do right now, and that's saying something. So so yeah, uh, go ahead, Tom. I was going to say, I do agree with that. You know, deep in the fourth quarter, what types of sets are they going to be running to try to get open looks for, for KD or Westbrook? You know, history this season shows that they're not going to try to get open looks. They're just going to try to, to get one of those guys the ball, um, <laughs> like in the shot clock and see what happens, which is not a good recipe against the Spurs. Um, but uh, it doesn't necessarily have to come to those crunch time minutes when you see it. When you see how... Um, aggressive defender can be when, especially when Westbrook is really going. Um, you know, and the Spurs have some, some, some fourth quarter offense issues of their own, as we saw in the most recent Warriors game. Um, they tend to get bogged down and, and throw up a lot of, a lot of crud too. Um, so it's not, it's not necessarily going to be the case that the Thunder are going to come down and struggle to get decent shots, whereas the Spurs are going to go back down on the other end and whip a few passes around and get easy looks. Uh, even though the the Spurs defense is much better than the, the Thunder defense, um, the Spurs have not shown an, an ability to to have that sort of crisp offense that they've had the past couple of years, uh, especially you know late in games against other elite teams. So I have a question then, because at the end of that Warrior Spurs game uh, the other night, the last one they played, the fourth and final game, the Spurs had an awkward defensive lineup in the game, and part of that's because they're playing the Warriors, but. And Prada, you you'd mentioned this a couple times, but what's what's the closing five, or is it very situational for the Spurs in the series against Oklahoma City? Because with Kevin Martin on the court and Danny Green not playing, their perimeter defense was suspect, and that and that's against a team who plays the best perimeter basketball in the Warriors. So I'm kind of wondering how how they or what matchups they put in place to kind of try to mess with Westbrook when it would seem that they're a little confused themselves on the best five around the perimeter for defense at the end of the game, and that's. 
a team who won whatever 66, 67 games or whatever it may be. So yeah, what, what is that? Yeah, I, that felt like a fake lineup to me. I mean, there's no way Popovich really thinks that Kevin Martin can play and like guard anyone on the Warriors. I mean, we're talking to probably the biggest Kevin Martin fan on the planet, and even <laughs> Tom has to admit admit that. Uh, oh, so- so I think the only situation that Kevin Martin can play late game minutes against the Thunder is if Andre Robert or Robertson is, is in the game, um, where you have a natural guy who you don't need to guard. Um, you could put the guy who can't guard anyone on him. Um, but in all, in all other cases, I mean, even Deion Waiters out there or, or Kyle Singler playing down, uh, or you have the the Payne and Westbrook um, dual point guard lineup. Uh, hopefully that that shows its face in the playoffs. Um, you just can't have Kevin Martin out there. And, I, yeah, I tend to agree that I think Pop realizes that and may have just been trying to get him some run in a big game late in the season to see what he had there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see Kevin Martin playing key minutes in such a series. Right. So we're talking about San Antonio's closing five issues, and we've yet to mention that Oklahoma City's closing five is <laughs> right now is just as much of a catastrophe, if not more. I mean, I may be – Treading, playing with fire, underestimating Westbrook and Durant. I just the the team doesn't seem to make sense. They should be better than this, and I think that the Spurs. We have a little bit of a warped perspective of how, like, we look at them in comparison to the Warriors, and they're so far behind the Warriors and in a unique matchup sense. But they're way better than anyone else in the league, and I. I just think that series is not going to be as close as, as everybody else does, I guess. Uh, I, I tend to disagree, Mike. I, I, I actually think, and this is the question I wanted to ask you guys, but I think that Oklahoma City, and maybe I'm in the contrarian view here, is ultimately the bigger threat to knocking off Golden State than the Spurs are. Well, but that's a different question, right? I mean, I'm just saying, I think San Antonio matchup-wise is a problem with the Warriors because they're too big, they're too slow, they don't have enough wing players, they have too many... Minuses, whereas Oklahoma City athletically can match the Warriors, and they have the Warriors don't have a Durant answer. And so, would you agree with that that statement, though? I, I do, but I, I don't think it's going to be relevant. I think because you don't think they're going to get this. I don't think yeah. they're going to get there. Okay, so just so we don't make every Grizzlies and Mavs fan uh, mad because we we just totally glossed over them, do we anticipate Spurs sweeping the Grizzlies? And no, uh, no, the, okay. The the, the Mavericks you know, might peel off a game or two against the Thunder. Okay. Um, the Grizzlies have no chance. With the, <laughs> they barely made the playoffs uh, despite having a massive cushion a month ago. Um, it, it just, without Conley and Gasol, there's just, there's just oh, yeah. no offensive punch there whatsoever. And it's, it's, it's a little sad, but not really. Tom, can you name, can you name five guys on the Grizzlies who played in their last game name- season? <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. I can name them all, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, Xavier Mumford and Jamichael Green. And, two, two of my favorite um, players in the league, by the way, Xavier <laughs> Mumford and Jamichael Green. I'm not kidding. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're nice little players. I had a whole category in them uh, on the, the Grizzlies Mash unit um, <laughs> in my rankings for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to describe it. It is. Completely a mess. Even more credit to uh, to Dave Yeager, by the way, than for not Im- completely imploding and, and missing the playoffs, which with that lineup you would have thought to be a very real reality there. Um, so that's just with a slight gloss over of those two matchups. I, I tend to agree. I think that the Mavs will probably win a game at home. Um, 
that's one of my favorite coaching matchups because you got Billy Donovan making his first NBA playoff appearance against Carlisle, who feels like he's been in the playoffs every year since he got into coaching. And and, and again, in Dirk, uh, Dirk's last stand, if you will. So I can see the Mavs showing up for a game there. Maybe Dirk wills them to a victory, uh, but nothing nothing really past that. I do want to get your, your thought on that, uh, Tom, about who the bigger threat is to the Warriors, in your opinion, if it's the Spurs or if it's Oklahoma City. Yeah, I, I go back and forth because the defender presents something that no other team in the league can with those, with those two high-power, scoring, aggressive, dominant guys on offense. No other team in the league obviously offers that, other than the Warriors, I suppose. But um, that poses a real, real issue for Golden State's uh, defense. But then Golden State has a historic offense that the Thunder can't deal with um, with any regularity. Um, you know, the, the the one big Saturday night matchup on ABC between the Warriors and Thunders earlier this season. I, I thought, you know, the War the the Thunder they had a huge comeback and eventually gave it all up. Um, I thought after that game they had a chance in the playoffs against the Warriors, but since then um, the the fourth quarter issues have just sort of uh, <laughs> continued uh, to to get worse and worse for them. That was sort of like the the the, the moment I think where the 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 basketball loving nation sort of recognized that issue, and they haven't done anything to sort of fix it since then. So I, I do think that's a problem. I think the Spurs are so darn good on defense that um, the Spurs are a bigger threat um, just because they're they're better than the Thunder, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know power power beats power. So um, I, I do think the Spurs have a better chance against Warriors. I still think it's a pretty low chance though. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to uh, I tend to agree with that. I, I'll say, look, I I think that 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 was convincing, and you did you kind of are changing my opinion on this. I think that in a lightning in a bottle situation, that Saturday night game was so it was just so awesome as a as a fan of the game, as a fan of both those teams, as someone who's been a supporter of Westbrook for years and years and years. He's finally getting his I mean, he, he and well deserved due here as as such a dynamic superstar player that he is without people harking on oh he turns it over oh he lunges in the passing lanes too much exposes his defense yes he does all that but all the pluses are, are overweighting or overweighing that but uh what i will say and one of the things that you know mike uh, has alluded to a number of times is this this idea of how the ball gets to one of their hands late in the game and i think that obviously that's where the popovich spurs dynamic plays into whatever his idea is for how to execute that game whether they win or lose it, it's going to be executed in that fashion and i'm not necessarily sure that oklahoma city has their their calling card with donovan yet or that they did with scotty brooks so maybe i'm weighing or swaying more to the spurs side we just did a, a podcast uh where we picked uh, the the celtics to win and the hawks to win and then the celtics to win and then the hawks to win so maybe this is that situation for me uh, for the Western Conference playoffs here. But uh, the other, I guess the final game we didn't talk about, which is interesting here, because one of the teams who has given the Warriors, hasn't beaten them, but has given them some trouble and will not be backing down, at least in their own mind, they think they're as good as the Warriors, and that's the Clippers, led by uh, by Doc. So this Clippers-Portland matchup is, is ultimately one where I think the Clippers won three games to the one game Portland won during the regular season. The last time they played, though, it was, it was quite a good game. I believe it was a TNT night game. Um, and I kind of like Portland to maybe give them a scare, but ultimately for the Clippers to win in a longer series, if not the only long series of the Western Conference first round. Preda, you've been, you've been a, you're a huge fan of Terry Stotts and have been pretty vocal about that. Do you think this is the type of thing where Portland – 
and Dame can kind of will them to a, a longer series? Or do you think the Clippers kind of find themselves and, and the new Blake back in the lineup situation and, and, and put it on them in a four or five game series? Yeah, I, w- I would love if Portland made this a series. I think the Clippers can be had just because Blake Griffin really doesn't look like himself. They're still figuring, working him back. They have that weird identity crisis that these teams have when they work back a star after being successful without him. The problem I see is uh, I don't see defensively Portland. I don't see how they have any shot to really guard Paul, guard the DeAndre Paul pick and roll, guard even Blake Griffin at 80%. I, you know, Portland's a really nice story, and I, I, I love watching their offense. And I think Lillard is good to steal a game or two, but I, I don't think that this is going to be as competitive a series as we would hope. Hmm. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, my, my concern with, with Portland is their front court. So Ed Davis comes off the bench every night. is totally fine and, and good and um, a really nice piece up front. Uh, I don't think they have another, you know, playoff-worthy starter, really, in that front court. You know, Noah Vonley plays quite a bit. Mason Plumley, I think um, the, the bloom is sort of off him as, as a contributor. Um, Myers Leonard, I suppose, you know, he's injured. Stuff. He's, he's injured, injured, so he, he's not doing stuff. Um, <laughs> so I, I just don't think they have enough up front. I like the backcourt, obviously. Um, I, and I think, you know, Dame can shoot them to at least one win. I think they, they could get a couple of wins at home there. So, um, I, I do think, you know, um, that said, you know, Chris Paul is an all defense. Uh, type caliber defender, and so um, they they could you know uh, hold him back, and maybe it's CJ McCollum that has to get loose. Uh, the bench situation is is kind of interesting with these teams um, because neither of them can really rely too much on backcourt scoring from their bench. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Alan Crabb and and Alfrouk Aminu has been great defensively. He's he's probably their only plus defense defender. Um, other than Ed Davis um, in the rotation. So um, it's going to be tough to, to slow down the Clippers, um, like Mike said. Um, but, I, but I do think, you know, just by the sheer star power of Lillard, they can uh, do something. The Clippers aren't perfect, and Clippers um, can be beat, especially when they have to go to that bench. And if Doc is looking at resting up guys in the first round a little bit more than, than would be typical so that you can uh, keep them fresh, if the Warriors, who will likely have a lot of rest, um, that could factor in as well. Yeah, like like who guards JJ Redick on the Blazers? Uh, right. They don't they don't have anybody to guard JJ Redick. Who guards? Who they don't have anyone really to guard Chris Paul unless Lillard has a defensive series of his life. You know, <laughs> and they they're, and they don't really have a matchup for DeAndre Jordan if unless Ed Davis and Mason Plumlee have the series of their lives on defense. And again, it, it, there are just too many matchup disadvantages and. Meanwhile, I mean, the Clippers, it's going to be sort of interesting to see, I think, what style of defense they play because Portland really does force you out of your comfort zone. But at the same time, the Clippers, for the last couple years, less so this year, play a much more aggressive, trapping style of defense that you need to do against Portland and you need to do well because they're so good at moving the ball out of the traps. So in that sense, I... I think if if you're Portland, I think you almost would have preferred Oklahoma City, even though they have those two great stars. 
Defensively, I think there's a better chance you can get by them. And, you know, they have wing defenders. Like, they can put, they could put a menu on Durant, but they don't have anyone to chase guys. They don't have anyone to chase Paul around, and they don't really have the speedy guy to chase JJ Redick around. So, um, I, to me, like that, that should be, that's kind of going to be a pretty quick series. Can, can the Clippers push the Warriors then in that next round? Uh, I, See, I, I think the Clippers are an interesting matchup for the Warriors just because of because of how well they played against the Spurs last year. Um, I think they had huge letdowns. But, I mean, obviously in Game 6 and in Game 7 against the Rockets. But mm-hmm. the way that they played against the Spurs when they were hyped up and uh, ready to go and totally locked in. Of course, they had home court advantage. And, of course, the Spurs last year were not the same Spurs of this year and are definitely not the same as the Warriors of this year. Um, I just think that um, you know, I, I think they play a little bit different in, in big series that they're looking forward to. I think having the mantle of being the last team to beat the Warriors in the playoffs is a point of pride for them. I, I'm sure Doc will have no question uh, be able to, to motivate them for such a series. Will be able to motivate DeAndre to to make his impact, especially when the Warriors go small and try to push Draymond around a little bit to the extent he can. Um, obviously. Um, there's, there was a lot of heartbreak this season when the Clippers played the Warriors. Um, the the vine of, of Chris Paul sitting sadly on the bench as the confetti falls down <laughs> around him uh, will will never escape our memories. But um, but I do think I don't think they're going to beat them. But I think the the Clippers can give the Warriors a series and tire them out a little bit. Um, sort of be the first opponent to sort of bludgeon the Warriors as, as the league tries to stop them from from winning a second straight champ championship. Yeah, they they need Blake Griffin all the way back for that, and I'm I'm just not sure. Uh, it's tough for me to count on that. Yep, no, I agree. And I'll tell you what, guys, where where the first round of the West might be missing, maybe some intriguing close matchups. It's it's not short for uh for narratives, and I would say that no series is more important or no playoff run is more important to a single team than it is for Oklahoma City, given the future and the future of their stars in their fair city and then you have the clippers with blake and kind of the the monkey on the back if you will of chris paul's entire playoff livelihood so i think there's definitely some some good narratives here which we'll be seeing uh more and more as the playoffs kind of progress maybe not in this first round but in surely in that second round where an oklahoma city spurs series would probably be the the best second round matchup i i can ever imagine uh, especially as a fan so definitely big things to look forward to i know we are Somewhat short on time. It's a crazy, wild, busy day as the playoffs get get ready and uh, no shortage of great content being put out on SB Nation's NBA stuff right now from the likes of Tom and from Mike right now. So I'm going to let you guys wrap, but I do need a quick prediction. The lastly, the last thing I should say that I'm going to look for here. Tom, are we uh, to assume that the Warriors make it out of the West unscathed? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll get there after a couple of tough series against the Clippers and the Spurs. I think Spurs series could go seven. And um, I, I think the Clippers will take a win or two off off the Warriors. Got it. And Mike, I think they will get through losing two games total. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit more aggressive, but I uh, I like that as well. I am just hoping that I get to see the uh, the three series that I'm looking for, uh, and that would be the uh, the uh, Warriors, Clippers, the. Spurs, Oklahoma City, and then any combination of Warriors versus Oklahoma City or the Spurs. So on that note, we'll let you get out of here. You can find Tom at, at TeamZiller on Twitter. You can find Mike. Mike, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Mike Pray to SBN. Uh, <laughs> One of these days I'll remember it, buddy. I'm at EpiBen. Find us at Limited Upside. 
Uh, anything you want to plug, Tom, real quick you have coming out? Uh, no, absolutely not. Great. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> it's a little time off. Look for the rankings of the top 241 playoff players right now that Tom put out. It's pretty awesome. And uh, find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, at Limited Upside. Rate us, review us. And until next time, Limited Upside Podcast. Limited Upside Podcast.